Welcome back, everyone. We are here for season two. Uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus, so we've been out for a few weeks. Uh, during that time, even previous to that time, we are hard focused on a bunch of interviews to build the Biohack Your DNA Summit. Uh, we're going to be sharing those with you in season two for our loyal listeners who have been with us since day one. Uh, we had some incredible, incredible interviews we did over the last few months, and partly why we've been off for a few weeks. Uh, and let me just give you a taste of what's coming up in season two. I have a list here of some of the people we spoke to. JJ Virgin. JJ Virgin is one of the world leaders on nutrition, written many amazing books. We spoke to her about changing her health through nutrition. Uh, Dr. Tom, Tom O'Brien, those of you that have heard already know, no introduction needed. Dave Asprey, we went deep into biohacking your mitochondria and what you could do there. Ari Written and going further into the mitochondria. Dr. Mark Gordon, this is a man who works with the US military with professional sports teams, uh, human optimization like you haven't seen. Uh, Tevya Fang, who one of the world leaders in Qigong and energy and how to get that inner energy. Robert Wolf, you know, amazing person that everybody wants to talk to. We were able to sit down with him and drill deep into his beliefs and how he changes the world. Uh, Tari Youngblood from Chili Sleep, how to get better sleep. Heather Sanderson, how to get into uh, reversal of Alzheimer's, prevention of Alzheimer's. She's been diving deep into this. Jill Carnahan, Dr. William Sears. This man was on the cover of Time Magazine uh, for the work that he does in cancer. And we were able to sit down and speak to him. The list goes on and on. There's so many amazing people that we're going to bring to you in season two. And we're just happy to share this with you again. Uh, today, our guest and who we're going to be seeking, speaking to, a uh, bit of a curveball, you know, we have been finding over and over and again that a lot of the things that we think we know, you know, uh, things that are sort of intuitive to us, we ignore and then have to be retaught. And so uh, we have a bunch of amazing stuff coming for you, starting with this. If you look at the screen right now, this book, and if you look at the bottom, Dr. Medea Saeed, th first of all, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am so incredibly honored. So thankful to be here. No, it's a pleasure because the, the work you're doing is so cool. Um, there's this general theme that we're starting to see of people craving ancient wisdom and dipping back into what our ancestors used to know and do, regardless of where you come from, you know, regardless of what your ancestry is, religion, culture, whatever because there's so much dissatisfaction in what we're getting today, mm -hmm. right? And we're starting to see that every biohacker, every influencer that kind of has some, some niche or the, the current stick to talk about, you can, you can bring that way back to something we were told a thousand years ago. Absolutely. And, we're, and we're seeing this over and over and over again. And that's why I really value what you did here. So Dr. Saeed went and went through ancient Islamic text and pulled out relevant content in terms of this prescription around how we should eat how, how to reach and op, uh, reach optimal health and i'm sorry if i'm butchering that's the meaning i drove out of it but maybe you could tell us what your intention was behind this so oh my gosh you know i myself dealt with lots of chronic health conditions as a family physician, I was dealing with lupus and Hashimoto's and severe digestive issues and acne and eczema. And the list goes on and on. I was miserable. And 
And I basically continued on that hamster wheel like everybody else, <laughs> trying to keep my head above water. My husband and I were both working 80 hour work weeks because we were both interns in family medicine. And I continued on the hamster wheel until I, I had, it came to an abrupt stop. And I had to take a step back and really evaluate my life. And I recognized that, you know what, this is not the way that I want to live. And because I was hurting, I was fatigued. I knew these diseases can eventually take my life. And so I needed to, in order to take care of my children and myself, I needed to learn first how to even take care of myself. Because as a family physician, I myself was falling apart. So how was I supposed to take care of my children and teach them how to take care of themselves? So I went to doctor, to doctor, to doctor, despite being a family physician, not coming up with really answers that I felt comfortable with because I didn't just want to go through down the medicine route. I knew that there was something that I can do to put myself back into balance. And I, you know, when, when I went to doctor, to doctor, doctor, I found that they only had gave me hope to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So for example, here's this medicine and really there's nothing else you can do because I knew eventually lupus could kill me, but they're like, sorry, there's really nothing you can do besides for this. And I felt sort of hopeless. And that's when the sort of disconnect from what I grew up with my religion versus what society and my common modern medicine was telling me that there's really nothing you can do while I grew up telling there's so much that you can do. There's like so much hope. And actually that's when I really prayed for guidance and healing and hope and something that I can do to put myself back into balance with the simple things that I do on a daily basis. And that's when I started, I, God sent me to integrative holistic functional medicine. Mm -hmm. And when I started first studying all of those, I wrote four books (laughs) (laughs) published and then when I started educating the more Muslim Muslim audience, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what, again, ancient wisdom has told us centuries ago versus what we're now just discovering as, right. you know, with the science. And that's really what I wanted to bring forth in this book to recognize that, you know, there's a population of two point some billion Muslims around the world. And there is aisles and aisles and aisles of books for the general audience. But when it comes to the Muslim world, <laughs> we're really missing the boat. There was really no contemporary health book to really optimize our overall health using the core foundations of our religion. And that's what I brought this book out to the world. And that's what I was really trying to get out to educate people that all the things that they're telling us today to eat real food, don't eat the fake food, you know, stress manage, you know, make sure you're sleeping properly, limiting the toxins, taking care of our planet. You know, all of these key foundational species in functional medicine are actually also the way that we as Muslims should be living. Yeah. And it's amazing because I understand your intention, which was, you know, we have something that's a gift that's been given and nobody's recognizing or using it. In fact, ignoring it and potentially doing the opposite. And so you Absolutely. packaged it back up into this instruction manual and said, here's what we were told that you're not doing, by the way. But guess what? <laughs> Beneficial for everybody, not just there's no religious requirement to read nope. the book. It's This is a human instruction manual that you put together. Yeah. 
right? Absolutely. And there's, there's a word that you, you kept using, which is balance. And I think that's important because when people that are not in a religion that aren't experiencing it, that are only experiencing what they see on TV is projected as currently what religion is, uh, it's a, it seems like a, a sort of an activity of extremes, mm-hmm. right? When really you talk about in the book that it pushes you towards balance and that's one of the main objectives. So what did you find there? What did, what did, you, what did you learn that we can learn? Well, again, going through the scripture, you know, in the Quran, God has told specifically, you know, us as a world that he has made us justly balanced, you know, where we're supposed to maintain that balance. And if you just look at the world around us, the, the night and the day, you know, and the mountains and the seas, I mean, the world is very much balanced. And we, I mean, the human body is very much similar. So that's one of God's, the human body is one of God's greatest miracles. I mean, just look at like what the human body contains. It contains, you know, 37.2 trillion cells. It has, you know, every, there's 300 million cells that die every minute producing 25 million new cells each second, you know, the heartbeats, you know, and then there's, you know, the genome is made out of 20,000 instructions called genes and then there's bacteria in the mouth. There's more bacteria in the mouth than there are human people, people around the world. So all of these, so down to our genes, we need to maintain that balance because maintaining and optimizing all of these defenses are key to keeping our bodies in balance. And how are we going to do that, right, is by focusing on all of these key foundations of good health is what I call it, your digestive health and your detoxification. The four S is stress, sleep, social, and spiritual health. Because when that starts to go out of balance, when we start putting food that should not be in our bodies, in our bodies, when we start putting toxins in our bodies, when we don't give this body the sleep that it needs, when we overwhelm our bodies with chronic stress or negativity, all of that puts our bodies out of balance. And then what happens, these beautiful systems stop working and you have an epidemic, an epidemic of chronic disease. And this Chronic disease that we are seeing worldwide, it's affecting our health, it's affecting our future's health, it's affecting really the health of our planet, our humanity. I mean, literally, (laughs) the future of this world is at stake. So if we just look at all the statistics, we see this is neat, that we are obviously out of balance because of, and why are we out of balance is because of the fact that we're not respecting the body, the planet, the way that we should. Mm -hmm. You know, uh yeah. When I think about, and I think most people, when they think about religious context and food, the first thing you think about is words like kosher, halal, like what's permissible, not permissible. And that's often the limit of what people believe is informed or instructed. And that seems very dogmatic in nature. It's more like a ritual than it is beneficial, right? And, and And the reason most people adhere to it is not for... The benefit here but the benefit later right mm-hmm. so what did you learn in terms of that you know the instructions around what you're supposed to eat and not supposed to eat you know and instruct is there any benefit in that or is it just discipline or what is it oh wow so 
we know that food is power, food is information, food influences our micro microbes, food influences our genes called nutrigenomics, right? Food it gives us the ability to take back control of our health, it transforms our biology and nourishes the earth. And it can also, I mean, foods are literally changing our biochemistry with every bite we take. And it constantly influences um, our every every cell of the body down to the microbiome and our genes. So food activates either the potential for healing or creating these imbalances that we talked mm -hmm. about earlier and that can then lead to this chronic disease. So what I found that specifically in the Quran and um, when it came to, you know, what us as Muslims were, were instructed to be eating. So yes, there's words like, you know, zabiha and kosher and halal. And those are all well and good, but there's the purity of the food has been lacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because, for example, like McDonald's or, you know, <laughs> you know, all of these artificial foods, that's technically not food. And that yeah. is really disrupting our biology and our biochemistry. So us as Muslims specifically, we have been instructed, actually commanded <laughs> eat what is pure or what God has provided and be grateful to him if it is indeed God that you worship. And now that's really heavy <laughs> because of the fact that specifically for us Muslims, and I know it goes for a lot of the other religions also, that we have been put on this planet to worship and to take care of God's creations and, and to really worship God through those acts. And so what, so when you equate the food that you actually put in our bodies and the gratitude to actually worshiping, unfortunately, that's not what the Muslim world is doing. Right. It's not what we are doing as an overall humanity. Um, and that is also leading to the, all of those imbalances that we discussed. We are eating the wrong foods with lack of diet variety. We are, you know, just that then destroys the gut microbiome. It imbalances our hormones leads to insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, you know, the list goes on and on about how that influences our, you know, biology and leads to these chronic health conditions. And our, it doesn't, it actually disrupts our brain health, you know, right. because there's two main pieces of decision-making and that's your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala. And there, you need both of these pieces to work appropriately because the prefrontal cortex basically takes a look at the entire piece of the puzzle, you know, all of the pieces, weighs the risks versus the benefits and comes up with a logical, rational decision versus the amygdala is the limbic system driven. It's the fight and flight type of decision-making, but you need both of them in order to make a rational decision. And today, when we're see in, in the world today with a lot of the us versus you mentality, you know, the more aggression, the more violence, the, you know, basically the, the lack of peace in the world today, um, can also be really contributed to the fact that, again, our bodies are imbalanced. These two pieces, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, are not talking. Basically, there's a disconnection. So when that happens, your body is making more limbic system-driven decisions. 
And therefore that then leads to, again, the, everything that we're seeing, the us versus you mentality, the, because the body is unable to use the full brain to make a logical, rational decision. Mm. So if we as a world can get back to putting our bodies back into balance, we can even optimize our brain health to make a logical, rational decision and therefore increase the world peace and really create change all over the world. But, and that's what actually, even in the Quran, there were a lot of verses that actually connected <laughs> the food that we Muslims eat or we eat to the decisions that we make. And that just blew my mind when I put the science of what is going on in the world today with that the, the ancient wisdom, it, it was so powerful. So that's where I'm like, okay, we got it. This is what we got to do is we just got to put our bodies back into balance by simple things that we can do every single solitary day. And that's what I wanted to bring this book out to the world. Yeah, it's, it's so refreshing to hear because that, so I live in Mississauga, Ontario, just outside of Toronto, huge Muslim population. And I can tell you that if McDonald's hung a sign that said halal tomorrow, there would be a lineup that would crash the block. It would be <laughs> around the, the word in itself is more permission to eat it without any understanding of what it means or what your, what that food is. So yeah. the, 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 the animal was killed and blood drained in a certain way. And now all of a sudden it's permissible. That food is slowly killing you. Is it truly like the meaning that was extracted? Be mindful of what you eat. Yes. Right. As opposed to kill a certain way. Yeah. That's one step of the process, but there's also the animal should have been treated a certain way. Right. Why is this so important Absolutely. that the animal should be raised literally as family? Mm -hmm. because the hormones that the animal produces and the stress that it would have gone through being in a you know factory setting versus being treated as family that's part of you know of what is halal what is not halal, and we don't that's not considered in most of the sort of modern version of the ancient text right mm -hmm. uh, and then you're not truly getting what you think you're getting which is healthy food right and <laughs> no not at all and Okay, so and I, I can make a generalization here because I, yeah. this is what I, I really feel that you know maybe us Muslims are really the probably the one of the most unhealthiest people on the planet because <laughs> I cannot find like specifically in Chicago. So I'm in Chicago, I cannot find organic. It's very difficult to find organic zabiha halal. Right. You know when I go to the actual, I can find that I can find organic products in you know, in Krishna market, I can find it in, you know, Aldi and you know all of these places, but I cannot, and even, you know, um, kosher places, I can find organic, but I cannot find it in these Zabiha halal stores or even restaurants and um, like clean food, unfortunately. Yeah. And so I actually, you know, when my first book came out, The Holistic Rx, Your Guide to Healing Chronic Inflammation and Disease, uh, for the general audience in 2017. And that's when I started educating the Muslim world. And then um, in 2018, I went to Hajj. Okay. And there were, I was two weeks with these scholars and I was trying to educate them because they were, I was like this, you should be educating me. I'm like, what's going on here <laughs> with these verses? But then when I really, it really clicked was we just don't get it and no, nobody's talking about it. Because the fact that literally we're standing on, you know, Arafat and, you know, that's the day that, you know, we're praying to God for, to forgive our sins and our, give our optimal health. So the, like literally there's millions of people praying for health as everybody's passing out Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
just blew my mind. Yeah. And I was like, what are we all doing? Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not being mindful. We all know that these things are not good for our bodies, but we're still doing it either, anyway. Yeah. And on top of that, exactly. So right after Hajj, like right when we completed it, they all went to McDonald's because in Saudi Arabia, it is halal. <laughs> But it's not pure. It's not tayyib. And yeah. that's what the that's what this book really come tries to it, emphasize. It, it, you know, explain the word tayyib for people that don't know. So tayyib means pure, peaceful, right. tranquil, nutritious, safe. But basically, it's packed with goodness. Right. And, and it's what God has provided, specifically when it comes to food. And yeah. so we know that red number 40 or yellow number five yeah. <laughs> is not what God has provided. Right. <laughs> And that's just destroying our overall health. But unfortunately, you know, our mosques and our religious institutions and our schools are packed with it. So yeah. there's, there's a huge disconnect where we as Muslims specifically are, are commanded to eat pure, but we're not. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's there's a gap in appreciation and I'm, you know, singly all Muslim or not, but in general that, yeah, you know, taking care of your body is a form of worship. Yes. Right. You were born on this planet with, uh, with this gift of good health for the, for the most part. Yes. Some people are born with rare conditions or genetic conditions, but the majority of us were born with the gift of health, mm -hmm. right? Where we end up is based on our choices. And now if you give this thing back when you leave this world and go to wherever you believe you're going, what condition did you return it in? Absolutely. Right? All and not even, absolutely. And our, and our children are a blessing and our families and our, this planet. I mean, if we just look at what's going on in the world today with the, all of the, you know, the climate change and, <laughs> You know, all the problems that we're seeing, the United Nations says that we only have 60 harvests left. What? 60, the United Nations has told us that we have 60 harvests left. And that's because of the fact that our planet is suffering. And it's because of the fact that we're, we are, we're dumping you know, all of these trillions, I think it's like two trillion, 200 trillion tons of chemicals into the, onto the planet, onto the soil. It's literally destroying. So we are losing about 2 billion tons of topsoil a year. We're losing 2 billion tons of topsoil a year. It's craziness. Wow. And then because of like the, yeah, the 2 million tons of fertilizer that we're distributing globally. Yeah. And then therefore, because of that, again, we've lost already half of our livestock. We've lost 90% of, of the edible plant species, and we've lost 75% of the pollinator species. Uh, we are actually disappearing at a rate of massive ex mass extinction as there is currently like 500 marine dead zones, which is basically, you know, where, where 500 billion people depend on for food. And so it's craziness. So that's where the United Nations has really said that we only have really 60 harvests left. 
So this, even this planet is our blessing and we're just totally destroying it. That, <laughs> just I've by, never heard just by the food, just yeah. by, you know, cause all the chemicals and then that, then, you know, our food system, the food waste, the industrial agriculture is one of the single biggest cause of climate change. And yes, even more than fossil fuels, as it contributes to about 56% of the non-carbon dioxide emissions, and that contributes to about 29% of the total greenhouse gas emissions. So I'm telling you, like, so we are, it's, 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 so all of these chemicals that we're adding to the soil, you know, it's destroying the earth. It causes this, uh, the nitric oxide and combined with methane, now you have green greenhouse gases that are like 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And that then contributes to all about the one third to 40% of the, the greenhouse gases in the environment because the soil, you know, that holds the carbon, when we destroy the soil, it's unable to hold the water and the carbon that leads to these greenhouse gases, which then releases 600 million tons of carbon dioxide equivalent mm. into the air every year. So well, it is, <laughs> Yeah. either way, this is how we as humanity are really destroying even these blessings that we have been gifted it's, with. It's exact correlation metaphor for what we're doing to ourselves. Yes, you know, same absolutely. Thing. You know, um, can you prescribe me an anxiety pill? I guess you can't do that for Canadians, right? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go shop online later. Uh, so, so we're gonna optimize our microbiome. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna eat those pure foods. Yes, <laughs> I'll yield through food. Don't worry, I'll get through this. But it's like you said. So, so all these problems, all these stressors, and our brains, the terrain of our our brains also can't handle the problems. We're, the way we eat like you said earlier, are putting us into a bucket of an exaggerated experience in terms of anxiety, depression, you know, all these problems. And this is why that the mood and behavior, mental wealth, health wave is bigger than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Right. On top of that, we're not sleeping. So our brains are recovering. Um, so it's all compounding on itself, which is why if you don't, the very simple things that we were taught, told that we ignore, that seem recreational and like too small for me to worry about. What do I eat? How do I grow a plant? You know, what kind, what kind of seed do I use? The ripple effect, the outcome is all of what we're talking about. The planet is dying. We are sick. Mentally, we're not there, right? Yeah. And it, because, yeah, because once we start to actually take care of our bodies and the planet the way that we should, you know, because um, again, it'll put it, I'll put all of that stuff back into balance. But when our bodies are out of balance, this then leads to that body's response of heightened chronic inflammation. Yeah. And that is all, all of the depression, the anxiety, and all those things that we're seeing today, you know, with not just ourselves, but our children. So, and it's again, it's affecting our brains, it's affecting our mitochondria, it's affecting our genes, it's affecting our epigenetics. So, we really got to put ourselves back into balance with these simple ancient wisdoms. Right. So going back to another part of the book, um, you talked about something that people don't consider. A lot of people, what, what we hear is what to eat. I'm keto, I'm vegan, I'm halal, for example. So the what is a big thing. We don't really talk about how to eat. And one thing you talked about was food volume. You know, how much do we actually need? 
and we're not talking calorically, but you, you dove in and you did some work here and it's in your book. So talk to us about that. It is, we don't need that much to really survive. If you just look at the volume our stomach can hold as an adult, your stomach has a capacity of about 2.5 ounces when empty and relaxed to expand and hold the food up to about a quart of food. So it's, that's not a lot. <laughs> Two and a half ounces. So that's, yeah, that's your capacity of your stomach, you know, when it's empty and relaxed, and then it can expand to hold about one quart, you know, okay. so that is, so we don't need that much, but the thing is our, because we know that food is information, food, you know, empowers our bodies from the inside out and we, it determines and it regulates trillions of processes that go out in the body. We need the right foods in the right quantity to optimize our overall health. And that's what's key. Mm -hmm. And so if we can focus on foods that nourish our bodies and, and foods that help to heal the microbiome, foods that balance the uh, insulin levels, foods that are the most nutrient dense foods for you, then actually focusing on tons of vegetables, clean protein, healthy fats is really important to just keep our bodies back into balance. Because right now we're dealing with, I think the problem is that we're dealing with overeating. And it's because of the fact that, you know, the foods that we are actually eating <laughs> yeah. are making us overeat because the food system is no longer of the people, but the politicians like big ag and big food that are really dominating our food system and supporting the foods that are actually leading to overeating mm. and for us being undernourished. So this is like the first time ever that our bodies are constantly being fed to a state that really sets up, sets a stage for disease. So yes. most Americans, and I know a lot of people all, all over the world really just eat, I mean, live to eat. Right. Right? We're just living just to eat. And that's what we, but again, we have now more overweight people in the world and less underfed people in the world than we've ever had before. And, you know, obesity now has been recognized as a global epidemic. So we're actually eating the wrong foods with, you know, that are energy dense, but lack nutrients, mm -hmm. making us overeat all the time. And so if we can start to eat real food, that nourishes the body, we won't need to eat that much food. Right. And so, um, and it's really, I mean, obviously when you go to a restaurant, for example, what is the first thing that they give you? They give you this processed, you know, carbs. Yeah. And that is, it goes and inhibits your leptin. The well, leptin is a hormone for satiation. So if it inhibits your leptin, guess what? You don't know when you're one third full or you don't know when you're full and we overeat. And then our body can't digest that food properly. And some, a lot of it also is not that nutrient dense. So then I constantly, we're stuck in this cycle of, because our body needs to continue to look for nourishing food, then we continue to eat some more because your body's like, wait, I didn't get the nutrients that I need to actually maintain all these trillions of, you know, biological functions that I need the food for. Mm -hmm. So the body's constantly looking for more food. So you're constantly hungry all the time. 
And focusing on real food actually does satiate you. It balances your insulin levels. It helps to stabilize the microbiome, um, you know, and it, you know, really influences everything down to your genetics, but your body will tell itself that, okay, I'm, I'm satiated. Mm. And that's, what's really important Yeah, is that you, those connections, because remember for every one message that the brain sends down to the stomach, there are nine messages that the stomach sends up to the brain. And so if we fill our bodies with real food, vegetables, clean protein, healthy fats, you know, um, we actually eat less and are satiated and nourished. And in for, and, and specifically in my case, I am, so, that's the way I feed my family because I don't want to feed them junk that then leads to leptin and insulin resistance and their microbiome being off and all of these other mood disorders and ups and down swings, hangry. So guess what? I'm not in the kitchen as often so because they're not <laughs> eating as much. So that's like a big positive for me. They eat real food. They eat less quantity because their bodies are satiated and happy. And, it, yeah, and, and you and mentioned the, something in there about the one third. And this is, yes. you know, you'd look at, and this is spoken of in a lot of ancient texts and wisdom. And it's pretty clear in Islamic tradition, one third food, one third water, one third empty. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's, only if you really need to like that's yeah. like the max that's the max that's a suggestion right that's just a and, suggestion and the, the challenge with this is that people think of this as oh i'm supposed to be hungry i'm supposed to be empty no what it's what you're if you interpret it from a different perspective it's it's your responsibility to seek out food that's so high quality and nutritious yes. that that's enough that's if you enough. need to eat more than that so it's not so much stay hungry. It's more that if you're eating food, that it takes you more than one third of your stomach being full to feel satiated, you are eating garbage because yes. the food that was created for you, that is enough. That's enough. Right. In its natural state, which is hard to find now. Right. But if you do that, you should be. So again, going back to like how we treat our bodies and the, the for, worshiping through taking care of everybody. This is the flip perspective of Oh, I stay hungry and that's my worship. No, you're supposed to find food where you're not hungry and you've still achieved the one third, right? And that's where people don't just don't get it. They don't get it because, and, and, and I really feel it's because of, you know, because of the junk food, the, the habith, the artificial impure foods that we are consuming on a daily basis yeah. that is then leading to our bodies. We don't understand when we're one third mm. full. Yeah. You know, so focus on again, nutrient dense foods, because specifically, and I know I've looked at, you know, biblical foods and, uh, you know, foods that the Moses used to eat. So even specifically for Muslims, the Quranic prophetic diet is a plant rich diet, right? rich in phytonutrients, good fats, fiber, low glycemic foods, rich again, in rich in nutrients. So we focus on that nutrient density and eating in the right balance again can keep your gut happier, your hormones balanced, your glucose regulated and satiated. So then you know when you're one third full. And how do you, so in a plant heavy diet, what is the right amount of protein for, especially, you know, 
so I so I train regularly, right? I I don't feel right if I don't. I haven't been doing it my whole life, but in the past few years I have. And so I need to eat to get the benefit of that training. But sometimes I look at my food and I'm like, I don't think we're supposed to eat this much meat, you know? So what does somebody like me do? So again, focusing on that tons of vegetables, clean protein and healthy fats. And we need, I think just a little bit, just to be satiated, like just like a palm size um, is enough to be satiated. But again, for me, what I really do is I have like most of my plate is the vegetables. And then I have some sort of a little bit of clean, clean protein, which we, and then remember it's the quality over the right. quantity that is the most important. Yeah. And everybody's body is different how much they actually need. But we know that the protein is super important to and critical for immune system and muscle synthesis and appetite control. So listen to your body. And that's what's really important, again, is listening to your body to see how much you need when making sure you're getting your vegetables and then choosing the quality of the protein over the quantity. And when you do that, and then choosing like clean proteins, like, you know, we have wild caught fish, you know, pasture-raised chickens, organic chickens or eggs, yeah. grass-fed meats. Um, again, you only need a little bit to go a long way to really reap those benefits. But again, it's the quality over the quantity. Yeah, the quality, like most people don't even know what food is supposed to look like. <laughs> if, if you, When you crack open an egg, people think it's supposed to have a yellow yolk. Light yellow. Yeah, yeah light yellow, like pale, right? Anemic yeah, pale yolk. Yeah, anemic. <laughs> seriously. Yeah, it, but it's like a proper egg that's pasture raised. I'm uh, sorry, oh. the chicken that's pasture raised that produces egg. It's like a deep orange. Oh, it's, it's delicious. It's delicious. It's so <laughs> nutrient rich. It's so satiating. You know, I once had a, a gentleman who studies food like yourself told me that one proper egg is good for a 24-hour fast. I said, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. But if you look at the nutrient profile of a actual egg, not what you're buying from the grocery store, but a proper egg, which you can buy, by the way, if you seek it out. Most major cities, you can find, you know, pasture-raised chickens that will produce a beautiful orange yolk egg. A completely different experience. So absolutely, yeah. like full of antioxidants, minerals, vitamins, especially vitamin D. Yeah, so it's, it's medicine. Totally at that point, it's medicine. Know? Yeah. So, um, okay, so let's jump to something, which is, <clears throat> if you talk to, you know, uh, sort of general mainstream, about what they know about Islamic tradition, one thing that everyone kind of hears about is Ramadan and fasting, because <laughs> it's, it's spoken of on the news, the celebration, the Eid and all that stuff. So Today, one of the big buzz things you're hearing in health and wellness is fasting, right? Absolutely. And you're also hearing, oh, I think you should do it two days a week, the Tuesday, Thursday split. And these are all things that, again, if you were just to open up your textbook, which was sent to you 1400 years ago, was already explained and told. So how deep did you dive into fasting and what did you learn that, why is it so beneficial? Oh my gosh, the modern science right now has really found so many physical benefits for fasting. Mm -hmm. So simply going without food is anti-inflammatory, anti-tumor, anti-aging. It activates the NF, NRF2 gene pathways that improves detoxification. Um, it triggers these new cell formation, increases the mitochondrial function, 
It also aids in autophagy, which is the body's natural cleansing process, removing the damaged proteins and clears the damaged cellular parts that may lead to then cancer. And then it helps to eliminate pathogens, uh, helps with cellular repair and regeneration, increases antioxidant function, increases <laughs> the production of beta HBA, which is like a super fuel for the brain and the body. It stimulates multiplication, you know, multi <laughs> stimulates the production of BDNF, right? Um, the brain's growth hormone that can support brain function. I mean, the list goes on and on. It helps to improve, you know, mental clarity and concentration. But, and so we know that the body then exists in like really two states and it's the insulin high state and a fasted insulin low state. And we know that fasting, right? As we fast, we can begin to use some of that glycogen, right? The most easily accessible energy source and is broken down to glucose molecules to provide energy to other cells, but it can break that down for energy from the liver and the muscles, which then runs, you know, that can, when, when that runs out, then they can go to fat. So mm -hmm. then, it, which again, and use it to create ketones, but, um, and the main ketone, yeah, is the beta HBA. But what happens is that, and then that then just really stimulates new growth for new brain cells and improves antioxidant function. So fasting is really supercharging your brain mm. and, um, and body and helps re regenerate. So we as Muslims have been told all of these benefits for fasting. Well, actually, we, we have been told tons of spiritual benefits of fasting, but unfortunately, you know, I was reading a book <laughs> and uh, by Dr. Like, I believe Jace, Dr. Jason Fung, and he's like, oh, Muslims got it right, but they're doing it all wrong. Because <laughs> 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 we, We're supposed to be fasting, you know, we're supposed to do it even like throughout the year, two days a week, you know, um, but unfortunately, the problem is that most Muslims gain weight in Ramadan while yeah. fasting. Yeah. <laughs> And it's because of the fact that we are eating way too much food and eating the wrong types of food when we open our fasts. <laughs> yeah, there's like an entitlement that it's time for a treat. Yeah. I myself, right? Yeah. yeah. So then we need, to, so that's where, yes, we are, there's so many benefits, um, specifically also spiritual and physical benefits to fasting and even like dry fasting, though, that we're do that we do during the month of Ramadan. And, um, but unfortunately we're doing it wrong <laughs> yeah. to really reap those benefits because I know that's, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know, well, I think it's in both of our cultures, the Ruavza. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So Ruavza, yeah. in case anyone doesn't know, uh, it's a, a red syrup, which you pour into water, sometimes milk. And it's basically sugar with red food coloring and a little bit of rose water essence, which is probably had never saw a rose. And preservatives, by the way, the like cancer preservatives. Yeah. preservatives yeah. yeah, it is delicious, but it will slowly kill you. It will slowly kill you. Yeah. And it's what we Muslims, specifically the Indo-Pak, um, yeah. will open our fasts with that. So it's yeah. like destroying here, like we work all like for the spiritual and the physical benefits and then we open it with this toxic even though technically we as muslims we we actually been instructed mostly to 
water or a date, which again, there's so many benefits of that. But when it comes to (laughs) what we are actually doing, it's going the opposite direction. So we should be, (laughs) we should be, you know, focusing again on the real food. So the key is that (laughs) a part of fasting is what you eat, Mm -hmm. right? The, The starvation isn't, is part of it you're kind of setting yourself up for the benefit, but then what you eat is kind of like driving things home, you know, and that's where you can completely fall apart or truly gain the benefit of what you did. And, yeah. and it's interesting. We said there about the two days a week. So that's prescribed religiously in a lot of religions to constantly regulate. And, you know, you'll read stories about, um, you know, you know, hundreds of years ago where there was just no food on a certain day. Yeah. Right. And they would say, you know what? this is an opportunity. It's fast and not like, Oh no, there's no food. Let's fast because we're starving. It's like, this is an amazing opportunity for us. Let's take advantage of this. We're going to fast because they understood the benefit and they understood why they're doing it. And often the why we don't get into, because if you're, if you're, if you're practicing religion out of fear, which it's an important piece because you have to be disciplined. But if that's your sole driver, then you never ask why. Right. And then you don't get the benefit. But if you practice it out of love and benefit, then why is a good question? Why, why is this for me? Why? What is this gift in this thing, in this knowledge, in this wisdom? What am I supposed to extract from this? And don't be afraid to ask, Mm-mm. you know, and then you'll truly be able to benefit. So so then so I've heard uh, that when it comes to men and women, that there's slight nuances in terms of, you know, for example, daily intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. that men, no problem, but for some women, a bit of a challenge can be. So I don't know if you've looked into that at all. Oh, absolutely. So again, it comes, starts really with listening to your body and seeing right. what you need. Um, specifically around the menstrual cycle, it can affect um, our menstrual cycles. But um, again, don't pushing it, just like, for example, exercise, Right. We know that there's every, for, for everybody, the amount of exercise too less is also inflammatory and too much is inflammatory and actually can disrupt the hormonal balance of a woman also. So specifically when it comes to women, um, you really need to start listening to your body. Sometimes those women with already high stress, and now you add the fasting to that, that really puts their body even an overdrive and then can really causes hormonal imbalances. So again, listen to your body, starting with, you know, the 12, 12, and then slowly moving up and seeing what your body can tolerate Mm -hmm. is really important because everybody is different and everybody's need is different. But with 88% of the people that are metabolically imbalanced (laughs) on this world, 88% of us have, have some sort of metabolic problems. Right. Yeah, it's insane. Metabolically right. imbalanced. It's it's insane. So yeah. some sort of fasting I would definitely do recommend for even women. But again, listen to your body and your um, the stresses that you're dealing with. You know, everybody is different. So really talk to your doctor about that. But for me, I do. For me, I try to practice like a 16-8 regularly. And I'm able to maintain that balance. Oh, so you're doing it daily? Yeah. Oh, yeah? No problem? <laughs> Weekends. Yeah, no problems. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy. You just end eating at about six o'clock. Yeah. And then you eat again in the morning. And then I just, I I have my water. (laughs) Well, I guess it's like anything else where 
um, you know, your body, uh, whether it's brain, muscle, bone, you're at a certain level and you don't, when you decide I'm going to start going to the gym, you don't bench press 300 pounds on the first day. You start with the bar and you build up, right? So same thing with that. fasting or supplementation or meditation or whatever you're doing, you know, your body <clears throat> can either accept and benefit or it can get scared and start to store fat and have a adverse effects. So build up to it, right? Like you said, build listen to your body, it. build up to it, uh, feel your energy levels, feel it. And when it feels good, you're, you're going to know. You're going to know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because Again, everybody's hormones are different, you know, um, everybody, every, like, it's a gray area in some cases, specifically when it comes to women, um, it can even lead to mood swings and cause hormonal issues if not done appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> so again, yeah, you just don't want to put that extra stress, undue stress on your body. So again, my, managing the stress levels you know, um, you know, and if you're already stressed again, that added stress of intermittent fasting may not be good for your, for the, for sure. For sure. I, I'm just flipping through your book. I'm literally holding it in my hand right now. And in the back, you have a bunch of recipes and, you know, ways to actually implement this stuff, which makes things easier because often when you're told, here's what I think you need to do, but then you're left holding the bag. Like, how do I actually do it? Right. So yeah. some good stuff to kickstart and jump off of the recipes. But if somebody were to grab this book today, you know, religious or not, whatever your tradition or beliefs are. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> what are, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me three things that you think that can change somebody's life with this, regardless of their religious beliefs. Focusing on the attitude of gratitude, because your perspective can either be your pain or your perspective can be your power. And especially today, we're growing up in a world with so much negativity and, you know, hate and, you know, crimes and this and that, like, are, we're bombarded with so much negativity that if we can start to focus on the positive, that in and of itself can, you know, regulate our, you know, heart rate variability, it can, you know, balance our hormone levels, it can lower that chronic stress, it can, you know, turn these genes on and off for our benefit. Mm. And it can specifically change our subconscious from instead of thinking negative all the time to thinking positive. And again, um, that is probably the key that I want people to take care of, because if we can start shifting to a world of gratitude and positivity, then this planet, this, this body, these children that we have been gifted, we'd be able to take care of so much better mm. because they deserve, we'll be like, oh my God, they deserve to be taken care of. These are actual blessings. We got to focus on those blessings. And then how are we going to take those better? Take care of them is by focusing on real food, you know, and limiting the toxins in our environment and really, you know, creating a routine every day to help take care of the blessings that we have been given, including stress management routine, sleep, and positivity. So, so these are just simple things that we can do just to be more mindful. Yeah. And if we can gratitude and be mindful of the of our lifestyles, that can really change the world. Yeah, and that the the things you said there 
it kind of speaks to call it functional medicine. You know, it's, it's gratitude, food and environment you talked about, right? So what, what are you putting in your body? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what are you exposed to? Mm-hmm. Which is also what's entering your body. Right. Yeah. And then how are you perceiving the world? I can't tell you how many patients we've dealt with mm-hmm. where half of their problem is their perception. Yes. Yes. And that's where I start literally every one of my patients over the last 14 years of me practicing this type of medicine, that's where I start off regardless of your religion or your, you know, ethnicity or your age or any demographic, I start with gratitude. And that's probably the one of the most powerful pieces that is able to help. Yeah. You, you shift, you can't, if you have a machine that's in fight mode, how do you make it do recovery work? Yeah right? You have to shift gears literally. And it, it doesn't sound scientific in nature. And so people don't, but you know that if you think about something, you start to feel it. If you smell food, you start to salivate and your body responds to your thoughts constantly. How else does your body know what's happening? You think, you know, all the mitochondria communicate to each other, the cells all communicate and then things happen. You know, biochemistry happens based on what you're thinking. You're telling your body, if you constantly are telling your body the worst possible perception of what's going on, that's what it's, you know, sort of dealing with and what the state you're now in. Absolutely. So this was awesome. So uh, the book is called the chronic prescription. Um, It's there it is. (laughs) Dr. (laughs) Medea Sahij is working on one of many books, by the way, the the first time I talked to you, I remember, uh, you were a little busy because you just finished writing. I think it was your third book that year. Uh, I can't, I don't know if it was three or four, but anyways, if, if you enjoy this, uh, dig deeper because there's a lot of other beautiful stuff she's put out there. Thank you for joining us. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I am so incredibly honored. Again, yeah, thank you so much for putting that out there. This is just one of the six books that I've written. I've written ones for the children also. Hmm and um, for parenting, and then even looking over 80 conditions, supplements, homeopathics, acupressure points, and aromatherapy, so much. So there's so much information out there. The reason I put that out there is for hope, to give people hope back to the world, that that there's, there's so much that we can do in conjunction with your conventional care. And um, you can check me out on Holistic Mom MD. My kids have their own podcast called the Holistic Kid Show podcast, which I've been blessed to have you on. And then uh, my mother-in-law started a channel called Holistic Udu MD. So in in our house, we have three generations educating the world about health. Why? Just to give you guys hope that there's so much out there that we can do to really benefit ourselves and our families. That's amazing. I'm inspired. I'm hopeful. So I'm sure you did that for everybody else. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much.